This is a small city. Just north of the big city. Built on brickyards, factories, and small businesses. With a rich history and strong roots. And this is a podcast. That serves to tell our story. Share our experience. And celebrate our community. This. This. Is Beacon. On this episode, we chat with Beacon Knight and my dear friend, Jessica Galati. As a career specialist in her school district down in South Carolina, Jessica joins us to discuss how students have been impacted by the pandemic and dive into all things social media. Parents, you don't want to miss this. Without further ado, this is Jessica. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody, to This is Beacon. This is Brooke. This is Ruben. This is Brandon. And today we have a super special guest to me personally, one of my lifelong friends here. Um, I'm going to let her introduce herself. So guest, tell us who you are. Uh, I'm Jessica Galati. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm a very good friend of uh, Brooke from, gosh, I don't even know, like, since we were like really, really, really little. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you grew up across the street from my grandpa. So there was that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we are also the same age. So we've known each other for quite some time here. So born and raised in Beacon, Jessica, we always start with this question with people. What schools did you attend starting at elementary? Um, I was a Sergeant Seahawk. So I did go to Sergeant. Um, Then from there, I went to Roundabout Middle. And then um, I am the proud last graduating class of the old in high school. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, so you had to throw that in. So <laughs> yeah. now, now everybody knows that I'm outnumbered again. All right. 2002 is up in the building, uh, 75% on, on this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 2002 stand up. And the other thing, uh, Jessica, I don't know if you are the first person that went to sergeant school on this podcast, but you're definitely one of the few because we've had so many people so far that have come through South Avenue. And, and as we went to South Avenue, we're pretty proud of that. So thank you for representing sergeant. <laughs> yeah. Good old sergeant. Yeah. So, um, you know, first and foremost, you know, why don't you let us know a little bit about you and your trajectory? I know your career, you're, you're kind of in like a second career. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, who you are and your current, you know, your current status in terms of all things, your career. Okay. Well, um, you know, first and foremost, I'm from Beacon, graduated in 2002. Uh, what I decided to do straight out of high school, I went into the military because I did not want to go to college. I did not, I'm just, I was, you know, you can tell by my grades, like I just barely graduated. Um, <laughs> like I tell my students all the time, uh, but I was just not a school person, but I was, you know, you know, I was in all the sports activities and things like that. So I decided to go into the military. I think September 11th had a big, um, pushing that for me as well, being from New York and kind of feeling like I had to do something. Uh, so I did, uh, I was in the Navy for 10 years. I was a law enforcement officer um, for the 10 years that I was in the Navy, but I wore a lot of different hats when I was in and did a, a lot of different things. Uh, I was stationed in Italy, Spain, um, and then I ended my 10 years. I did 10 years and I ended those 10 years here in Charleston, South Carolina, which is where I've been living for the last 13 years um so case in point why some people can now tell like I have an accent yeah um like we were talking about earlier (laughs) (laughs) uh 
so um, I don't notice it. People from here always think I'm from New York, New Jersey. But then whenever I go home or talk to anybody from New York, they're like, wow, you have a Southern accent. <laughs> um, but so I decided to stay here in Charleston. Uh, I did meet my husband here. And um, it was kind of weird. So I was in law enforcement for 10 years. And I got my degree, my bachelor's degree in criminal justice. And as I was transitioning out of the military, I just felt like that law enforcement wasn't for me anymore, even though I did really enjoy it. Um, and I really do love the field. But my last couple of years in the Navy, I actually got thrown into a role as a career counselor or like a guidance type counselor. So I worked with a lot of kids and they were kids to me because they were fresh um fresh recruits or new Navy people, new sailors, um, who they got in a lot of trouble. They made some not so good decisions and they were either being kicked out of the military for those decisions or they were being told you can stay in, but you have to pick a different job. You can't, you can't run nuclear op- operators anymore. So um, that was kind of like the push for me for when I got out of the military was like, I'm really good at talking to people and helping them figure things out. And so I wound up um, working for the state of South Carolina's uh, Department of Employment and Workforce. So essentially um, the unemployment office. But I did the aspect of, um, I help people with resume writing, interviewing skills. Um, I worked with a lot of big companies in uh, Charleston and in South Carolina, like BMW, Boeing, Um, And I helped recruit for them. Um, So I did that. And there was a partner agency next to me in the same building, Palmetto Youth Connections. And they worked with the younger population, um, 18 to 21-year-olds. And uh, the guy who was the career coach for them said that, you know, he was like, hey, I'm being promoted. And I really think that you would be a good fit for my job as being a career coach and working with the younger folks because he knew that what I did in the military He was retired Navy himself. So I thought about it and I was like, yeah, that would be cool. And I interviewed, I got the job. um, And I did that for about four and a half years, um, which it was probably the most rewarding career that I ever had or job position um, because I worked with underprivileged youth. I worked with kids who lived in poverty. I worked with kids who um, had, uh, you know, not so good background. You know, they might've had an offense on their record. I worked with pregnant and parenting young individuals, um, high school dropout. So I was able to help them take a really bad situation and turn it into a better situation. Um, and still to this day, I still talk to a lot of my old students. They'll contact me and let me know, you know, how well they're doing in their life. And, you know, I couldn't have done it without you. So that to me was, even though it was nonprofit and I didn't make a lot of money, um, I, I didn't care because I was able to affect and change so many lives. Um, and through that, we did partner with the local school district. And because of that, people at the school district were aware of me and what I did and um, my work ethic and my success rate and what I did. And the school district kind of poached me from my job. Mm-hmm. And they said, we have these new positions coming up as a career specialist with the district. And we would really like for you to work with the kids and maybe help them to not drop out of school. Uh, because I mainly work with sixth or eighth graders. So I'm at the middle school. I'm at the middle school five days a week. Um, and I do have two middle schools that I rotate between. 
Um, I do work with high school students um, and elementary, but I'm only with the high school once a month, and I'm only at the elementary school twice um, a year. So, but I do different levels of things. So with elementary kids, it's just exposure. Like, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? What does that look like for you? You know, do you want to go to college? Um, Just to kind of strike up that conversation because they might not have any idea or, you know, they might think that something they want to be um, that they can and it might be kind of far-fetched, but it's like, you know, just kind of giving them that idea and that aspect of what to look towards. Middle school, we get a little bit more in depth where I bring employers in. They get to meet them. They get to ask them questions. We do like a lunch and learn program. Uh, we have a career day that we do, job shadow day. Um, I have an after school career explorers program. Um, I mean, we kind of get more in depth because we're getting ready to transition them to high school. So they need to have a little bit more of an idea. Right. What they want to do if they want to go to college. You know, I talk about the military a lot. A lot of them don't think that that's even an option or don't even know that it's an option. Uh, we, we talk about the military, college. They talk about apprenticeship programs. Because um, here in South Carolina, when you go to high school, you have to declare a major in high school. Um, really? So, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they get put into, it's called the academies, um, Berkeley County Academies. And we have four academies. You know, you got arts and humanities, like the STEM uh, manufacturing and uh, like health science and they actually have to pick a major in high school um, because they get specific seals now on their diploma like a seal of distinction in military science or health science or engineering um, so yeah, then at so the high that, school level yeah so question like so is that where like your role becomes super critical because you have to like kind of help them early on understand where their interests are. Whereas what I'm hearing from you is, you know, they're making these decisions even earlier than, you know, particularly here in New York. Yeah. Right. Cause we don't, we don't get exposed to that until so like a sophomore year, maybe in college yeah. or like you're here now. <laughs> After yeah. hundred thousand dollars student loan debt. And then, then you start asking yourself these questions. Yeah. What do, yeah. What do I want to do? I'm like thinking to myself, exactly. I'm like, I wish I had a Jessica when I was in sixth, seventh and eighth grade. I the same thing. I'm like, I wish I had the me when I was your age. Cause I had <laughs> senior year. I still had no clue what I wanted to do. And then that's why I was like, okay, I'm just going to join the, the military. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, let's not even go to our guidance counselor that we had who I had a very bad experience with in high school. Hmm. He laughed at me when I told him I was going to go into the military and he told me I wouldn't make it. And uh, and, look, and, look years, and look yeah. at you now. And look at you now. Yeah, 10 years, and now I'm helping guide kids, and I'm being a positive light for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, see, instead see, I think, of negative. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you for what you do. Uh, I want to take it back a little bit, um, and also thank you for your service in in the military. Um, I commend anybody who uh, definitely took that on, and like you said, you went in the early year, 2001, being from New York, uh, that touched you. Um I want to talk a little bit about your the job that you ended up with the school. Now you said you're a career specialist. I'm a career specialist. Now yep. is, is 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 that a normal position within school districts, or is that just something that uh, here in the, South Carolina it is? Okay. Mm. Yeah, because I've I've never heard of that before, but it sounds highly important. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it just breaks my brain a little bit. I'm like, man, like, how do we how do we make sure whether it's in the school district or not? Like, how do we make sure that we take all the great learnings and the the resource that you are to students 
and make sure that we have that. Yeah, because uh, and um, I know I was joking about um saying wait until I was drowning in student loan debt, but I I, <laughs> I didn't get an experience like that till it was probably my yeah maybe sophomore or junior year in college, like Brandon said. But it was it wasn't until I transferred down to the Catholic University of America and um, I played football down there, and we had an uh, an athletic academic advisor who basically had to make sure that uh, we were keeping up with our academics as far as our athletics, and um, he knew I had a background in criminal justice because uh, I wanted to go into law enforcement, and um, he was and then when he set me down, he was like, oh, so what do you want to do? And like I was still like you know I don't know I'm, I just want to make sure I'm playing this Saturday like yeah. I'm really not. And then um, and he's like, he's like well, priorities. He's like, I looked at your file. I see you got a criminal justice degree. He's like, he's like, I got a couple friends. Uh, maybe I can get you an interview with the FBI when you get out here. And I'm like, what? Like, like, what, like that. That was like the first moment that it kind of hit me, where it's like. Nah, you don't know who you're talking to. Like, nah, you ain't. You, you're not. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I was a little taken back. Like, nah. When I finish here, I'll just be back home. Like, I don't know. I'll figure it out. But like, yeah. like, like those, those those type of opportunities that weren't even a thought of mine so like yeah to have a uh somebody like you to have start drilling that in at a middle school age especially like i'm saying like, like your experience with your guidance counselor i didn't have anything different you know like it, you start telling your dreams and roundabout teachers would teachers would shoot you down you know what i'm saying like are you supposed to talk to students this way like mm. uh you know what i'm saying they start dis- discrediting your dreams and stuff but um yeah so i i definitely can relate to the importance of somebody giving you that uh no yeah you can and uh helping trying to facilitate that um that but, uh, avenue for yeah. them. Yeah. The other thing I, I think about is the fact that you are an additional resource to teachers as well, right? Because they're mm-hmm. focused on the academic side of it, right? And so you get to have a, a different angle with the students, right? Like really help them crystallize how all this comes together, right? And the teachers can individually be focused on their curriculum separately. And I think that that's an important distinction, right? Like like there is a role for what you're doing in the uh, in that space in that environment for the students, um, so man, all I want is to like replicate your job everywhere now. <laughs> yeah. I know it, it, it's an awesome job. I mean, I've been, this is my fourth year with the district. I, I absolutely I love my job because uh, I like that I'm not a regular I'm not a regular teacher, right? I'm not. I don't have kids in my room every single day. I'm not teaching you know, the same like repetitive thing. Um, I like that everything that I do is so fresh and it's different. It's, even the teachers like beg me to come in. Oh, are you coming in this month? Are you going to, you know, and I'm only one person with seven schools. So I have to make that work. Um, I focus on my middle schools the most because that is for my job description. That is my target group. Um, but it's just, it's really neat because the teachers always feel like they've learned something from me too. And um, just to give, like you guys said, like, I wish I would have had somebody like me too, just to kind of explore and know what my options were. I mean, I had, I had no idea what my options were at all. So it's just really neat that these kids, and I tell them all the time, I'm like, you guys don't even know how good you have it and how lucky you are Mm -hmm. to have, you know, people to assist you this early on. Because really, by the time you're like a sophomore, really your junior year, it's like, if you don't know what you're going to do, then you're kind of, yeah, you know, like it's going to be really hard. So, so, so Jessica, when, when you have, you know, a young student coming into the middle school, you know, coming in from elementary and they're making that transition and they get connected to you or with your program, like what's their general like response at first? Like, 
you know, how, how is it presented to them to get them to, to buy into it? Um, well, usually at the beginning, uh, at the beginning of the school year, because like the the new the rising sixth graders, they will have known me though. This is the beautiful thing; they already know me because mm. I work with them in elementary school. Right. So that's so that, that's what I, I love. Yeah, that's what I love the most. Because now I had there are seven of us in the district. Um, I'm only one of two who actually works with their elementary school. And a lot of the other ones were like, oh, well, I mean, they're too little. It's, you know, I don't think it's that important. But to me, it's establishing that connection when they're in fourth and fifth grade. And then by the time they get to sixth grade, they already know, oh, that's Mrs. Lottie. They always call me the career lady. That's the yeah. career lady. That's Lottie. So um, they already know who I am. But, you know, every year, the beginning of the year, me, myself and the guidance director um, for both my schools, we go in, we talk to the kids about the guidance program, about the career program. Um, and then we, we just kind of take it from there uh, with different with all the different things throughout the year. So they're kind of already exposed to me because uh, I start working with them when they're in fourth grade. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's a great approach. And what, what, what I'm hearing is um, it's almost like you're also building a culture of uh, understanding of um, the resource that you are, um, where mm-hmm. most people, which is, it's pretty sad where most people are just box checkers. Like, uh, well, what do I have to do? What, what do I, what qualifications did I meet? Do I have to meet with six students in seven months? Well, I met six students mm-hmm. in seven months, you know, instead of building the relationships and understanding the importance and laying out that path forward, you know, and, uh, and like you said, yeah, it definitely makes your job a little bit easier, you know, cause now you already built that relationship, which takes time. And now they're looking forward to you. So like, I'm, I'm definitely big on culture building, you know? Yeah, no. And, you know, we're going to get into all things like your insights here pretty quickly. Um, But before we transition to that, I'm going to ask you one question that's been a staple here that we love is so when you're not working and being the mom and all that stuff, what are the things that you like to do um, in your free time? Where can we find you? Um, You can find me five days a week at CrossFit. Um, I've been doing CrossFit now for five years. I'm a, I'm a big CrossFitter. Um, I absolutely love, I mean, I've been into fitness for years. I mean, years upon years, because you, you kind of have to be fit when you're in the military. But um, I got into CrossFit about five years ago, and I don't think I could ever go back to a regular gym and get on an elliptical. It's just not for me anymore. I want to be doing handstand push-ups, climbing ropes, doing pull-ups, um, things like that. Uh, I also do, I coach, um, I coach the kind of like top Warner uh, cheerleading, uh, but oh, I nice. do it for the YMCA. My niece kind of got, made me do that. And I wound up coaching 51 cheerleader, cheerleaders ages four to 10 over the fall, which is very interesting. Um, and I'm getting ready to do it in the spring again. Um, and it also, I'm, a, I'm obsessed with all things Disney, um, prior to COVID, you know, you, every other month I was down in Florida going to Disney. Um, and now I, I've kind of, you know, scaled back from that just because it's, yeah, everything's a little different. Um, but I do also have my own um, Disney type business. I have an Etsy shop and I make Disney ears and I sell those on Etsy. Uh, so that's what I usually do in my free time. Oh my god, <laughs> That's dope. Yeah. Well, I knew about the I Disney. I mean, all things night, Disney. So like, 
Yeah, I was making ears last night till two so, in the morning. So, uh, so, so are, are these are these just like custom made Mickey Mouse ears or like certain? Like, Pretty much, yeah, they're custom made. I I can do whatever whatever anybody wants me to do. Um, you know, theme wise, like some lady kind of just gave me. Well, I want I want Mickey ears and I want his hands to be on his ears. And so last night I kind of sat down and I was like, well, I want to make this fun and um, like I attached them to the bow and like I did you know did sequin ears and kind of all out so um yeah it's it's a lot of fun I kind of got into it over like during the pandemic I was like well you know there was a lady who always made my ears for me and she closed her <laughs> Etsy shop and I was like well I think that I can I can do this you know so I watched a couple YouTube videos and I mean <laughs> hey I tell you it's taking off big time I mean I like I, I've been making a lot of sales on Etsy I've actually had some people from uh from back home order ears for me and I get a lot of word of mouth, you know, people that I work with and everything are like, oh, I'm going to Disney. Can you make me ears? So um, it, it's a lot of fun and I can get creative. So Yeah, yeah it sounds like I'm going to have to put in that uh, that IM Beacon edition ears. Yeah. Yeah, I can do it. I got my cricket and everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, now, with, with, with you coaching, um, you bring up an interesting fact. Are some of the girls you coach also in the school district? So, like, are you able to build relationships oh, yeah. through that avenue also? Yep, they're all in the school district. So. Um, one other thing that I did forget to add, I do also coach running club um, at school. So I'm a, I'm a co-coach with the PE teacher and we coach running club. So I'm, I'm with my kids even after school all the time too. So um, that's, a, that's a lot of fun because they don't just see me as, oh, Mrs. Gladi, the career specialist. Like I have that connection with them outside of school also. So. Right. Yeah. Like you become, you know, a person to them. Right. Again, like mm-hmm. more than you, you become, you know, completely, you know, they see you in HD quality and in all aspects of their life, which I think is super important. And like, I don't know if you guys can hear this. This is why I wanted to talk to Jessica today about kids, the current state of kids. And, you know, as we open up the conversation around mental health, one of the things that was really important to me was that we, you know, talk about this conversation in a way that can be comfortable and, you know, a way for us to have, you know, good insight. Right. And when you talk about kids, you know, this is a tough topic, right? It's a, it's a, it's one difficult to navigate, but from everything, I mean, Jessica, when I say free time, I don't know if you have any free time with all the (laughs) things that you're doing. Um, but you definitely, <laughs> but you definitely have such a good angle on the kids. So, you know, that'll be the topic today that we're going to go deep with on, you know, for you to share with us some of the things that you're learning because you're with them every day. Um, so we'll first start off, you know, it's been a tough year for everybody, right? You know, but from, you know, this includes our kids, right? And so from your vantage point, from your perspective, you know, let's just start with like, you know, what was the actual impact the pandemic has had that you've seen early on on kids? Well, early on right away, um, you know, the kids at first, they're like, this is awesome. I don't have to be at school. Mm-hmm. I can just go on the computer, stay in my pajamas. Like, and my son, you know, he's 15, he's about to be 16. He was all about it. He was very excited. So I think at first it was like this excitement because they didn't have to go to school. But you saw very shortly, like maybe three weeks down the line, the kids started to get very detached and they started to get depressed because like, well, okay, yeah, it was cool that I couldn't go to school, but now like I can't hang out with my friends. Yeah, Yeah, like I can't play my sport anymore. All my sports got canceled. 
I can't even like go to, um, you know, velocity to the jump park and jump around like that's close. So I think it shortly, really quickly, it dawned on them like my entire life has has changed and I don't know what to do about it. Yeah, so it was almost like reali- yeah. reality set in three yeah. weeks later. Like it was, it was the thought of uh, yeah, no, no school, school but, home, yeah. but, but but then reality set in uh, um, actually all the re- all the benefits that come with a normal world. Yeah, so the, the world shut mm-hmm. down. Yeah, that honeymoon phase. That's what we called it in my office. It's like the honeymoon phase of the pandemic. Those first couple oh, weeks. Yeah. And then once 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 it got old and once it kind of was like, yeah, we can't leave our house, we can't see our friends, then things took a I, w- I would believe things took a turn with you guys in your school district, like academics. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, the other thing, too, is just the fact that, um, you know, when you when you have it's it's one of those things where when it shut down it was kind of like their focus was on all the things that now they're let off the hook right but then when they Mm -hmm. go to engage in the fun and the excitement right I think about some of the reports early on when you heard about like proms being canceled and graduations graduations being canceled that all of a sudden there was like a real loss that students were experiencing even like end of year trips and stuff like that like there was a real loss that they were experiencing at the same time and then on top of that we push them quickly to say, become digital, right? Like Mm -hmm. do all things digital, you know, go to school on your laptop now and your Chromebook, you know? Um, And so, you know, what were some of the, you know, repercussions of that, that you saw? Like, what are some of the biggest challenges that, you know, you see in front of kids today from, you know, the emotional aspect? Yeah. So now for our school district, we were a little bit more, um, like fortunate because our kids were already considered one-to-one. So every kid in our district already had a Chromebook and they had already been doing stuff um, digitally. We would have like our virtual days. We would have one day per quarter where it would be a virtual day. So we kind of had gotten some of the practice in, but at the same time, that's only one day per quarter. Now you're going to every day. These kids are having to log in to a Google meet, some, and at the middle school, six different Google Meets because you got your four core classes and you got your two art classes. And they went from being in a classroom, being with their friends, to they're literally staring at a computer screen for seven, six, seven hours a day, okay? So uh, immediately we were seeing the, the depression. We were seeing the anxiety. Uh, we had one of our students had contacted us because me and the guidance counselor, we were like, we need to create a a good environment for them, like a way they can reach out to us so that if they need to talk, um, you know, we're here for them. And we immediately got, um, you know, a little Google form from one of our sixth graders. And she was, she was very distraught because her mom had passed away the year prior and it's just her and her dad. And she was reading online and seeing all this information. If you have diabetes and you get COVID, you're probably going to die, you know, or you have a higher risk that you're going to die. And she reached out to us. She was like, I'm so scared. Like, what if my dad dies now from COVID? And then I have nobody to take care of me. And uh, very fearful. Um, So you got a lot of the kids who were very fearful. Like, well, I don't want my mom or dad to to wind up passing away from COVID or my grandparents. Um, Then you had the kids, you know, that were very depressed. Like, I can't hang out with my friends. Like, this isn't fair. Um, You had the kids who... Well, what about my dance? What about my eighth grade graduation? Like, this isn't fair. So you got, like, the anger side of it, too. And it was just, like, literally a, a, a 
hurdles, mix of emotions mm. all thrown into one. And then, you know, and then also like the adults, we're dealing with it too. So, you know, we're trying to help the kids as in where we're, we're trying to comprehend it all ourselves too. Uh, so that was a big thing was the fear, the anxiety, the depression, like more really concerned about like their family members um, and the, the fear of the unknown too. Yeah. And would you say like now that we're like a, a year into this, has have things shifted for you or do you still see these same issues still uh, permeate? I mean, it's definitely, it definitely has shifted. Um, it, it's a little bit more, I don't want to say on the relaxed side because we do, you know, the kids have to wear the masks and we have to clean the desk and all that stuff. But I do, I don't feel as though there's as much fear and anxiety because we know more information and I think they're they're kind of seeing like oh well you know I've been going to school five days a week now since September none of my classmates none of my teachers like nobody's like been harmed nobody's lost their life so I think they're they're feeling a little bit you know more positive about everything yeah yeah and I'm you know I'm thinking too like with time comes that resilience comes that you know additional information and living through it which can help from that initial shock and awe but I think it's still really important to make sure that we are checking in with the kids and having these conversations in this month all things mental health that's our our charge our our call to action for everybody is to start the dialogue and check in with students so you know as the uh I'll call you the the youth whisperer the student whisperer that you are <laughs> You know, tell us a little bit about your approach to having conversations with students to to really get to that insight, to get them to open up, because I think that that becomes kind of another issue, right? Like, I know a lot of parents that are like, oh, it's hard for me to get my child to open up. Like, what is your advice to them from from your experience? Well, it's good. Number one, like, you just have to like, you just have to observe because you'll have some kids where, you know, they, they won't like really they'll seem like everything's great but then like you can see it on their face like maybe while they're at recess or in the lunchroom when like you know they're having to sit six feet apart from their friends and you can just see it on their face like something's not right um so like I just make it a point to you know a lot of teachers want to put like they want to stay in their room they don't want to leave their room because some of them are fearful they don't want to kind of communicate I'm not like that. I'm like, I got my mask on. Like, I need to go talk to these kids. So um, I make sure I'm in the hallway during transition times. And I make sure I go into the lunch room. And I just kind of strike up conversation because a lot of times they just want you to talk to them. They just want that attention. Um, we do small groups. So we'll we'll pick a group of kids where we think like, hey, they might have, they might have some stuff going on. Like, we can tell something's not right. You know, and we'll create a small group. Um, and just kind of just talk about things like, oh, what do you have going on this weekend? And, you know, how's your family doing? And just kind of see where where they go from there. So it's just, you know, observing, you know, paying attention just to the little things um, and just talking to them. Like these kids really, like they, they want to talk. Because sometimes they talk too much to me. I'm like, okay, um, time to, you know, time to go. Or like, I really didn't need to know all that information that you just shared with me. Yeah. So like, they definitely, they definitely want to talk, but I think that they're, they're looking for the adult to kind of come at them as, um, I don't know, like not in like that parent or. Yeah, they don't want to be um, talked down to. Yeah. They just kind of want to be talked to as like, 
you know, and like, I'm like the same height as all of them in the hallway. So like I kind of fit in. So, um, a lot of them actually are way taller than me, but I think it's just, I make that approach as like being, um, like that, that friend that they can go to, like somebody who they're not scared. Like, Oh, well, if I go and talk to Mrs. Galati, like next thing I know, I'm going to be in the principal's office or the, the school psychologist is going to be coming and pulling me out of class or whatever. Um, so I think it's just taking that approach to like, just be like them, be one of them, fit in with them because they're going to open up to you a lot more that way. Yeah. And it almost sounds like still, and, and building a trust with them where they, where they mm-hmm. feel like they can, uh, trust speaking with you, you know? Absolutely. And I'm um, sure, I'm sure they tend to be more open with sharing because of that trust. Mm-hmm. So the conversations you might be having with them, they might not be able to have with a teacher or even their parent because there's that, there's that power dynamic that a lot of kids say. Right. Yeah. 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 So you touched on that, the fact that um, down in the school district that you're working in, um, they, they, it was already one-to-one. Everyone already had Chromebooks. So kind of like where we're at, it was kind of like new. People needed to get Chromebooks. Mm-hmm. School shut down. Uh, there was no virtual learning. Um, they did the... Beacon, which um, I definitely applaud our district on, they did do do hybrid as soon as they could, where they allowed some people to go, to go in school. How did that look for your school district? Did, since you were already doing it, what was there a complete shutdown? Are you guys up to? Are you guys in school five days a week currently? Or oh yeah, yeah, we didn't. Skip, we really didn't skip a beat. Um, now, like our part, our partner district. Um, so, Charl- I believe Charleston County and Dorchester County, because like there's like a trifecta of us. So we have Berkeley, Charleston, and Dorchester. Um, they the other two counties were not one to one. So like literally, you had teachers doing paper packets, and people were having to come pick up packets. As where for us, we immediately now it wasn't easy because you're having to take a lesson that had like a hands-on activity, um, and how am I going to convert this to virtual? So it took a little bit, but we really didn't skip a beat. Um, the kids automatically transferred into that virtual learning. And then um, we typically start school here in August, um, but we did not go back until September 8th this year. We started three weeks later, uh, but we were instantly five days a week. Um, but you, your kid had the option to be considered face-to-face or traditional or blended, which would mean they, they specifically go to school online. Um, and then the only thing was is that the teachers were ha- – well, they're teaching both at the, the same time. So they have their blended kids who are on the screen, and then they have their kids face-to-face. So I know that at the beginning of the school year, it was even hard for me when I w- went in and did a lesson. I would forget the kids are on the computer, you know. <laughs> you get so into doing the lesson, and then they, they're like, you know, the end of class, and they're like, oh, Mrs. Bloddy, is it time for us to log off? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I <laughs> forgot about you. Uh, so sorry. Yeah. Um, so, but, um, you know, now it's like it's become – it's just become the new normal, so uh, it's gotten a lot better. But we, yeah, we have we didn't skip a beat. Uh, we've had a whole school year. Um, now instead of ending the beginning of June, though, we're ending our our kids' last day, uh, June seventeenth. Uh, so, right. but yeah, I mean, it's been going good. We're very fortunate. Like we really, we really are. Yeah, yeah, and the other thing too, you know, I'm hearing you say is the idea of having these conversations with 
students in so many ways is about just getting on their level, whether you are a parent or not. And, um, you know, if you're an adult in the life of a youth, it's really about, you know, you don't have to always show up to the conversation with all of the answers. Sometimes you should just show up to the conversation with your two ears and just listen and, you know, really validate where Mm -hmm. they are. Right. And just really try to understand that. Cause you know, and to your point, right. Like the fear that I heard that when you said, um, you know, they can talk to me without worrying about, oh, the school psychologist is going to pull me out or, oh, somebody's going to call my parent or somebody's going to, you know, that repercussion. They just want to be able to get it out. And that, and that always doesn't mean that it needs to result in anything more than just that moment yeah, exactly. being with you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and Jessica, I think you're, you definitely fit for this role, especially with the fact that I guess we're, we're kind of still like the, the older millennials, so we come from a generation where we understand of being spoken at and being spoken to, you know, so mm-hmm. so you can relate and understand like, oh, you know, I'm I, we can show up with the ears because that's not how it was shown up to us. And that's right. kind of how uh, we kind of have a reputation of, well, you're millennials. You don't get it. You don't listen. No, no, we don't. It, it ain't that we don't listen. We 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 seen we watched. We seen things fail. Mm-hmm. You, you promised you told us certain things. Things failed, didn't work out that way. And now just now that we're a little bit older, at least now with my approach with the youth is like I'm able to show up with ears now because, yeah, they didn't show up with ears and I'm not going to talk down or, or talk to because the world's different. So we need to understand more than, 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 mm-hmm. than, than preaching and teaching at sometimes. Yeah. And I think as millennials and even Gen Z comes after us, is that right? Um, we tend to be, uh, doers, right? Meaning like, if you tell me I'll make the decision on my own, I don't need you to tell me the answer. Yes. And so like, that's also a little mm-hmm. bit of difference in terms of the, at the highest level, right? The personalities that get built, like, you know, I just want the information. I didn't ask you, mom, you know, yeah, I, I yeah. get that today, you know, even with my daughter, it's like, I just asked you the question. I didn't ask you to give me the answer. You know, I was just asking for more information. I don't need you to like solve yeah. the problem for <laughs> For me, <laughs> um, you know, when she puts mm-hmm. her hand up, that's when I know enough, enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the other thing that I know that you're doing, Jessica, in your role is that you, and this is a meaty topic, an exciting topic that I, I really want to get from you is I know in your role as a as a career specialist, you do also partner with the health department to bring together a lesson around social media, which I think is critical so critical I hope you know again this is another thing that when I when I talked to you about this I was like man how do we like replicate Jessica everywhere because everybody needs to know these these very know this topic at a at a at a decent clip but there's so much that gets involved in there so tell us a little bit about this lesson and and how you bring it to life in your schools yeah, so um, I partner with the with the health department at the school because you know, as per their curriculum, they do have to talk to the kids about you know mental health, um, physical health. They uh, have to talk to them about you know even middle school age. They have to talk to them about sexting, um, you know the aspects of social media and how that can affect you, you know your emotional and social like well being. Um, but you know, and then I take into account like the the career aspect of it, how social media can affect your future because they, they don't think it can. And after I'm done with them, they're like, Oh my gosh, delete, 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 or whatever <laughs> yeah. on their phone. So, um, 
So we just partner together and we talk about, and I do this four day lesson um, every quarter to so every nine weeks. I'm with a new group of six to eighth grade students and they get this lesson. So at that point I've reached every kid in the school um, and it's four days. And we first start off about like, what is social media? What do you use it for? Okay. And they're like, Oh, video games, entertainment, YouTube videos, TikTok. Okay. With uh, TikTok. I'm like, Oh my gosh. But, um, <laughs> the, the TikTok stuff. But so we talk about like, what is social media? What do you use it for? Um, and then the first activity that I have them do is uh, screen time. How much screen time are you actually spending on your devices? And, you know, we get permission from the principal for them to bring their phones to class that day or, or use their phones. And they pull out the phone and I start writing. I'm like, okay, yell out your times. And I start writing them on the board. Oh, um, and I'm like, what's your average screen time, daily average screen time? Look at like, and we'll go to like last week or whatever. Um, 12 hours and 59 minutes, 16 hours and four minutes. Then you have like the rarity where they're like two hours because my parent doesn't let me <laughs> stay on the phone. Um, so, and then it's, it's very interesting. And we, we look at, we look at the screen times and I'm like, so are you sleeping? What, what are you doing? Oh, well, no, I mean, I, I stay up pretty late on my phone or whatever. So the, so we talk about like how, you know, screen time how, and, and I say, you guys, the screen time isn't just your phone. It's sitting in front of the TV. It's sitting in front of the Chromebook all day at school. Like, you know, think about add another however many hours to that that you're actually not accounting for that's not attached to your uh, your tablet or your phone. And when we talk about the importance of, you know, utilizing your time correctly, because out of those 12 hours, how much of that stuff is actually positive or productive? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, is it adding benefit to to your life or as, or to your social emotional, um, well-being, you know? And um, Jessica, so do the, do the kids, you know, I'm curious, do they recognize that they're spending that much time? Are they shocked by these numbers when they see it? Or they're like, Oh no, I'm always on there. I know that I spent 18 hours nope. on my phone. They, or... they are not shocked at all. They're like, yeah, I know wow. I'm on, I'm on all the time. I'm on. Yeah. Mm hmm. Wow, I, 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 wow! I initially would have thought it would have been like an eye opener, almost like uh, adults in budgeting. Like, yeah. oh, oh damn, I didn't know I spent that. I didn't know I spent that much you on coffee. Coffee's expensive. <laughs> but um, it, it's 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 interesting that that's the first um, exercise you do because as you're talking um, and obviously with the pandemic and going into virtual learning, like we kind of put screens in front of them. And um, yeah, I don't know what they have access to, but when you got the internet, you have a wide range of things. But also, um, I don't have any children, but during the pandemic um we uh me and my fiance did have to babysit her nephews and um i'm interested to see how you calculate this so if you were to ask him or them how much screen time they had now one of them has his chromebook has his nintendo switch and his iphone clipped on the chromebook and I don't know how he's paying attention to all three of these screens. So do you times that by three on the uh, how much time you're standing in front of us? Because he's in front of three. And sometimes, like, I, I'd have the TV on. So he's in oh, front. Yeah. Of, he, he's personally in front of three to four screens during this six-hour period. Yeah, I would times that because um, even though it's all at the same time, he's having a multitask and from one screen to the other, I mean, it's, 
that, that's a lot, you know, and, and he's not the only one. I mean, the kids tell me all the time, uh, especially kids who are blended, you know, when I have like a, a Google meet with them because they want to talk to me, you know, they, one of the young ladies, a little seventh grader, she admitted to me, she's like, Mrs. Bilotti, like, I'm never paying attention in class. I'm on my phone playing games. I have the TV on, or they're like, I'm playing video games. Um, even my kid, he was uh, blended just for the first quarter of the year, just because a transportation issue, and we were waiting for him to get his license. But um, he even admitted to me, he's like, Mom, I'm always on my phone, or I'm playing Xbox, and I just have the camera shut off. And and it's just like, wow. Like, at least they're being honest, yeah. Yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, but, all, they all have the camera shut off in whatever picture that they have. Oh, on, yeah. Um, so, so even on the edge of the educational aspect of it all the lessons that they're losing on that end there's there's also got to be some type of health implications because uh um my job i'm I'm mainly manual labor but uh if i spend two days looking at a screen i develop a headache you know oh yeah Yeah. well i mean first there's the fact that they're not sleeping right so then all the impact that to your mental health which we've seen all the research in terms of sleep deprivation and it's linked to depression it's linked to you know the inability to focus and you know all those things right like this is a physical thing that's happening you're losing sleep right but it will impact your functioning in terms of your ability to you know i can one to show up yeah. to to actually learn yeah, that has to be yeah. difficult yeah. and 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 uh being nourished i'm saying like yes. when when are they eating like like we all know like like that whole uh, if you have a big test make sure you get some in your stomach yeah. so that you're not you know well, yeah. i mean go, going to school in person like just the just going to school right if you don't take the educational piece it provides structure it provides yes. an opportunity for I you agree. to go you go to a scheduled place yes. for a certain period of time. Like there, it, there's all these secondary alternative functions that school, yeah. right? Even work. You know what I mean? Like it's not just we are working from home, but we notice the difference between working at home and working in the office. It's no, just I, a, I, I absolutely agree with you. It, 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 you, you that, Brandon, what you speak of just reminds me of that quote that they say, um, and they say, uncoachable kids become unmanageable employees. Mm. You know, and, and mm-hmm. yeah, because of that, 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 that structure that you're talking about at school, sometimes I feel like that's the life lesson that some yeah. people just need. Like, and, and like that, if you're, you're late to school, you're going to be late to work. And, and that's why, you know, Jessica, you might agree with you. You might be seeing this, too. But, you know, I always felt like this has been a difficult task like this last year and engaging with young people via technology because prior to the pandemic, I'm sure you were seeing this. Everything was about how do we manage and how do we control the amount of time that they're on. Now they're being thrust into a situation, like you said, where it's like, now you have to live your life on a screen, whether it's, you know, for school, seeing family members, things like that. So it's really been like this kind of wild, wild west situation where there's really been no rules, but we've been putting these expectations right. on people, not just kids, but people, people in yeah. general to, oh, yeah. to maintain this old world way of living. And, you know, I... I, I it, it it bothers me when I see a lot. I know I know a lot of schools are kind of struggling. I'm sure you guys are having issues with. Well, you were having. I'm assuming having issues with the engagement piece. But to then turn around, like, were you guys having problems with kids engaging? And then were you guys like doing like any sort of disciplinary thing, or how were you guys managing those kids that weren't engaging online? Because I'm sure it was a lot of them. Yeah, that uh, that's really uh, yeah. The fact that you brought that up, that's a really good area to cover. So. Um, at the end of last school year, there were no expectations. Um, 
We couldn't, uh, we really couldn't hold them accountable for not logging in. Um, absences kind of went out the window. Uh, and, and to be quite honest, it, it got to the point where, you know, kids were having sevens and nines and twenties and thirties as grades. And as grades of up to a hundred. Yeah. Of up to a hundred. And because a lot of them were like, well, you know, whatever, I'm closing the Chromebook. I don't have like, nobody's really going to hold me accountable. But the same thing, and this, me and a lot of the teachers, we were very angry about this, and I'm not even somebody who issues grades. We were told, you have to pass them. they got to move forward to the next year. Uh, it's a pandemic. You know, we, we can control this, which I, I kind of see it from both. I see it from both spectrums, but at the same time, what a disservice that we did to these kids because think about this gener- this generation when they get to the workforce, right? Right. Um, they might have that misconception of like, oh, well, I mean, I just don't have to show up for work and I'm still going to get paid because like I got that 80 in my class even award. though I really- Yeah, bad, bad, bad yeah. We, we, we've been doing that for a few years. I'm saying I, even mm-hmm. when the whole no child left behind and all that. Right. Yeah. No, and, and so this year, yeah, and expectations, like they matter, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And like, and because kids are so smart, they're going to look to see what is the expectation and the, you know, lowest common denominator, right? Like, oh, well, I didn't mm-hmm. log in and I didn't get in trouble. Well, then what's the, what's the motivation for me to log in tomorrow? You know, yep. it's that, it's like at that very little, um, at that very basic minimum level. Um, so yeah, no, super important. And then, you know, outside of the screen time, like what are some of the other initial discussions you have with them around social media? So, um, we talk about, we talk about screen time and then we get into personal information. Um, you know, uh, like I pull up this survey where teens between the ages of like 11 to 18, they were surveyed and they were asked, these different things and did did you put them on your social media like your your name your picture your email address your phone number your school your city your state um and I asked the kids what you know what are some of these things that you think you probably shouldn't put on your social media and you know a lot of them are like oh like my phone number and I'm like why why do you not want to put your phone number out there well because then somebody could just call me or they could like text me and I don't know them um then we talk about a lot of them say, Oh, like my school or, you know, my city or state or whatever. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't you want to tell somebody your school? Well, because then they know where I go to school and they could like find me. And so like, it's good because they, they know that they're, they're aware of that. Right. But at the same time, I know a lot of them are still putting that information on there. Right. Um, so we, we talk about personal information, um, how you don't want to get your identity stolen because they're the perfect target group because they, they have no credit. They have no history, um, so anybody could steal their information, and then by the time they go to buy their first car, they're like, oh, well, sorry, you have a you know a 100 credit score because like you took out all these loans and you didn't pay them, and then they're like, wait, what? So I kind of explain that aspect to them. Um, we talk about you know the dangers of you don't know who you're talking to online. Um, you know, you're playing that video game with somebody, and they start, you know, they seem like they're your age. Uh, but it could be somebody using a voice disguiser, which a lot of, and then the then stories start coming out. And that's what I love because then the, 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 the conversation starts. Oh, well, yeah. Well, when I was playing uh, Fortnite on online or whatever, or I was playing Minecraft on my computer, 
you know, this person started asking me like where I lived and, and all this stuff. And so it, 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 it gets the conversation going, Oh the, yeah, that person, they had a, a voice disguiser and there's a YouTuber out there and he busts these people online, which I didn't even know about. And I had to go and like watch his YouTube videos to he'll like bust people who are trying to, to like steal people's information or like be inappropriate. Um, and I, I, I harp very hardly on the whole um, stranger danger type thing, right? Because I feel that that is the most crucial aspect uh, to talk with them about about social media because um, they they real I don't it doesn't register because you know their brains aren't fully developed yet that prefrontal cortex that controls judgment and yeah. uh, you know decision making and everything it's not fully developed. So they're, they're not, and it's no fault of their own, but they're not thinking about, Oh, well, I'm just telling this person like what I like and what I like to do and like how old I am. And they're not thinking, and they're not knowing that this person's grooming them. They're grooming them for whatever their purpose might be. Um, And so what's a big shocker for them is when I show them, uh, I show them a news video about, um, uh, the FBI unit in North Carolina and their task force that deals with like, you know, crimes against children. And they talk about the kids that go on these apps and how like it, it winds up turning into a really bad situation. And then they, they think they're talking to a, you know, another 12 year old, but it's actually a 26 year old who lives in Miami, Florida. And then they found like all over 800 different victims because this right. person is like, Oh, send me pictures. We talk about the sexting aspect why you should not send pictures of yourself. Number one, it's against the law. Okay. Like even you as a minor, you can be charged and get in a lot of trouble for sending that picture. But also that picture's out there forever. Like you don't know who's going to see it. Like your kids might see it one day. Um, We talk about the privacy, you know, as soon as you click yes on Facebook and you're allowing them access to all this information about you. And did you know you have to be 13? And then the sixth graders who are 11, they stare at me. And they're like, uh, and and I'm like, and you know that you checking that box, what you did, like that's illegal. You what lied. you did, you lied about age. Yeah. And they all start freaking out. And I'm like, I'm not turning anybody into the police. I'm just letting you know, because your parents probably told you, yeah, you could go on. So parents break that rule too. Um, yeah, we, so you're I saying, to them about, yeah, just to clarify, you're saying that Facebook has a 13, you have to be 13 or older to be on Facebook. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, important no, to think, point out because I don't know if everybody yeah. knows that for see, sure. I, I think so. I think I'm just I'm sure you're seeing you 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 see this all the time. But in dealing with with trying to educate young people right about the dangers of social media and how to use it, do you find yourself also having to educate the parents and adults? Because I feel like this is something that parents struggle with because they don't really understand it themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I myself. Uh, I got educated on this like <laughs> two years ago because um, I didn't know that there were these specific apps that they could download that it looks like a calculator when in all actuality there it's like Tinder for kids that they're on yeah. and they have it disguised as a calculator. So um, our school resource officers are awesome in our district and they do this training and they invite the parents to come and learn about the dangers of apps and the dangers of social media because parents are, are not aware. Um, and then when the parents become aware, they're, they're like, oh, oh my good, oh my, oh, you know, they start freaking out. 
Um, but it's just, you have to be aware because these kids are tricky. I mean, think about when we were younger, we didn't have apps or anything, but just like the stuff that we did when we were younger to deceive our parents. And, but now it's a whole different level because it involves technology. So, um, yeah, and they could be sitting right in front of you. And you're thinking mm-hmm. your kid is safe, right? Like how many times have we seen the story where it's like, oh, I had no, like most of the time with all these stories, they always end with a parent that says, I had no idea. It's not the fact that the parent yep. didn't care. It's just that the parent was not aware, right? The danger now of it being like on a phone is the fact that like a phone, like, you know, it's just technology and it could be used for good and it could be used for bad, but it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to discern between the two in the moment. Um, so it's just good for, you know, for folks that are listening right now, for you to just hear all these things that are possible with that said technology not to say you know lock it up because that's not the answer right it's not going to go away but it's about having the dialogue having the conversation so that you are aware first for yourself and then you can have that conversation with your kids so that they're aware as well because to your point the kids may like they know it but it's one of those things about reinforcement and setting that expectations with your with your child to make sure that they are using it for all the positive that can come out of it Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing with the microphone, like not knowing that the microphone is on yes. and you have to go into your settings and turn that off. Yeah. Like, you know, and then I have the kids pull out their phones. That's why I get permission from the principal because I want them to do it right then and there with me so that it's done. You know, setting your Instagram to private because if you don't have it private, anybody can follow you. You, you don't need strangers knowing, you know, everything about you. Like, why? I mean, when you go and interview for a job, they're not going to ask you, oh, well, how many Instagram followers do you have or how many likes do you have on your post? You know, that's not what they're going to be asking you. So, um, yeah. And, yeah, it, and it sounds yeah. like the kids are pretty receptive to the, the suggestions that you're making. It's just that they weren't aware. Oh, yeah. So, like, especially mm-hmm. the microphone, I could see them being like, oh, wait, who's listening? Yeah, yeah. The microphone <laughs> exactly. and, 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 and the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. And, and one other uh, thing that I forgot was uh, we talked about this. We talked about the cyberbullying too. You know that is a huge problem. I'm um, like that's a huge problem, um, especially with middle school age. Um, like we we have problems all the time with these kids involving um, social media and cyberbullying. And I have this really good video that I show them, and a lot of them wind up they are crying at the end of it. And it, I don't do it to make them upset, but I do it to show them, like, you, you want to taste your words before you spit them out, okay? Mm-hmm. Because what what you're saying, you don't know that person's, you don't know what that person is going through in their life. And just, like, those mean words, like, that could put them over the edge, you know? Yeah. Um, 4,800 kids a year commit suicide due to cyberbullying. I and mean, that's what, one is too many. Um, so we talk, you know, we talk about, not bullying online and like being a champion for people who are being bullied as well, because um, anybody could be a keyboard warrior and yeah, say stuff behind the screen. <laughs> yeah. Internet um, gangster. But, but, and I tell them, I'm like, back in Mrs. Gladys day, if somebody had a problem, you said <laughs> meet me at Memorial park. And yeah, we're going yeah. <laughs> <Well, laughs> like, to figure this out. So, um, but you know, other than that, I mean, like, I can't even imagine you, like you go back to the mental health, like adding social media on top of it. Um, it just, man, it 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 blows my mind. There's a whole socialization piece that's missing. Right. So when you're interacting with someone through a screen, right? Like 
it's essentially all reward and no risk, right? Yeah. But like you said, Jessica, like back in the day, right, you say something to my face. There's a risk involved either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. without that risk, and, and that's what I see. You know, we were talking about it. We were talking about another young person earlier. But I think that's like the big problem with social media is that social media has removed the risk and in interaction. Mm-hmm. So people just feel that they can say, and we unfortunately, I don't want to say unfortunate, but we live in, in a time where everyone's opinions matter. So when you have yep. everyone opinions matter, they don't take into consideration, well, this might impact somebody in a negative way. We don't have that perspective taking that we might have had when we were actually outside and, and engaging with people in a more intimate, intimate manner, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I yep. loved how you put that taste your words before you spit them out. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. Because they, you know, in so many ways, the the gamification of social media is everything that you just described, Brandon. It's that it's shoot first, ask questions later. Right. Like, like throw it out there and see what the response is. If you don't get a response, you always have the option to delete. Exactly. You know, in your mind. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, but you do see you do see that. Right. You could throw something out there. You could retract it later. Tweet deleted. You know, or or you can like, you know, alter, you know, that whole thing. Like you, you hear about kids that will post a picture of themselves and if they don't get enough likes they'll remove it and that's why you know right didn't was it instagram or somebody removed the like button yeah and and it's interesting that you brought that up because jessica you touched on that too uh as far as like the followers and the likes and and yeah um that's that's detrimental too to a young person as far Mm -hmm. as uh if they don't get those likes um or if they how many pictures are they putting up not getting the likes or not getting the followers and and thinking that social media is reality I, i think that's a danger you know, that's what I try to tell people. Like, I, I, even when social media started and, like, I, it was new to us, you know, I was like, understand, I don't live my life on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you had some people be like, oh, why are you friends with so-and-so? Where? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I must have hit accept. My bad. Like, like yeah. You know? But even like you know the and, compounding but, issues, yeah. right? Comparison and it, game. Yeah, and for me personally, it made me think about it even more. You know that. That's why, like, you literally got people on social media that you could literally walk by and won't say nothing to. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying. So like, I don't do that. Like, 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 like if if there's somebody that that has some on my feed that I haven't talked to and or I barely know, like I'm, I'm waving at you. Yeah. So if you accepted me, I'm waving at you. So don't think I'm weird. It's just I think it's weird. That you could be that, friends that, that online. I'm, that, I'm, that I'm a social media friend of yours, but but you won't even acknowledge me in person. Yep. Mm-hmm. That that's like the crazy thing because like. You're right. On one hand, social media isn't like it's not reality. But I mean, I would think based on our conversation that we're having, like it is like because it does have real world ramifications. Like the only reality is your social is your is my uh, my uh, relationship status. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Facebook is true. I'm yeah. <laughs> if your if your fiance heard you say that, right? <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> the love is though. Yeah. No, but I think I think what to Brandon, what you're building on is the fact that it's blending now, and like in your in your interaction with the students, like you know, do they realize that social media is separate from reality? And there's you know, for example, being social media. I like to say social media is is, is a place for the highlight reel 
right? Social media is a re- reflection of all the great moments in life. And even sometimes, like, and, and there's been studies of this where people, they had asked people to go back through their timeline and if they had, like, a photo that they were struggling with, but they put up, like, a fake post, air quotes, right? So they had all these people showing these amazing smiles and great places that they were on. And then they wrote in the comment, like, when I posted this, I was having a really tough day. I just did this for the likes and this, that, whatever, to really start to showcase the fact that social media has um, evolved in this way that we only use it for like the positives air quotes, but they really wanted to like draw back and say like, you know, we are whole human beings and we all have all different emotions. And even in the moment that we may have been portraying one thing, another reality was occurring, but to, Mm -hmm. you know, to bring it to the kids, you know, do they know, do they have that separation or do they believe what they see out there is somebody's actual life? Like the Lamborghini that someone's like sitting in front of or something. Unfortunately, I think that they do believe that that's that person's life. Um, because when I talk to them, I tell them, you know, and I've, I've been guilty of this before too. I'm like, you know, you go through and you see what people are posting like, Oh, like they're in Hawaii or, you know, they went to this place or, you know, they just look like they have the most amazing life ever. And I tell the kids, I'm like, just like you said, Brooke, it's a highlight reel. Who's going to post all the horrible pictures of themselves? Who's going to post all the bad things that are going on in their life, right? Now, you will have one or two people out there who they just are negative Nancy's and they are going to post all the bad stuff. But um, for the most part, Everybody wants everybody else to think like that they have the best life ever. But, and I think I said this to you yesterday, Brooke, um, when I tell the kids, I'm like, you guys, like, you can't look at somebody like Kim Kardashian and think that that's real life. Okay. Uh, she, that's not, that's not real. She has makeup artists. And how many times did she uh, filter that picture or um, do Photoshop to that picture before she posted it? Um, same thing with um, one of your friends, you know, like how many times did they probably actually take that picture before they posted it on their Instagram, you know, and look, it's got a filter on it that says lashes, you know, their lashes don't really look like that at stake. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I tell them all the time, you have to look at these people as they're people just like you. They use the bathroom like you do. They um, put their pants on the same way as you. Uh, they get sick. They, you know they're just human just like you except they're only portraying like the highlight reels that they want you to see and that's not real life and so when you explain it to them like that you know they start to they start to understand it a a little bit more and I always tell them like just never compare yourself Mm -hmm. to anybody else because what you're seeing you're only seeing it for face value you're not seeing the depth of that of that person and, and what's actually going on behind that picture Mm-hmm. Um, because it, I feel like social media has, it's developed, um, especially in females, you know, an age of higher anxiety and depression and, um, and teen suicide specifically for females has skyrocketed because of social media, because they do this comparison all the time. Well, I want to be skinny like her. Or why can't I look like this girl? And I tell them, you don't need to look like anybody else. You need to look like you. And, and that's all that matters. So, um, but yeah, I mean, they do, they think it's, they think it's reality and that's what's scary. I yeah. Think. The other thing I want to touch on when we think about them 
seeing this as reality is, and I know we've all seen this, but just the dangers of um, the challenges that happen out there, right? X and like such and such challenge, such and such mm. challenge, and they yeah. think that it's safe to do those challenges. Um, it, you know, are the kids? When, when you share this with them, are they shocked, surprised that like, hey, like there's real dangers behind some of these challenges and it's not, don't always believe what you see on TikTok or wherever you're at? Yeah, I mean, like we talk about how social media allows more risks and people take risks so that they could get those likes and shares and everything. Um, and I bring up the Tide Pod challenge and the kids start laughing. They're like, oh, that's so, like, that's so old. Um, and then they're like, yeah, the new one is like the new ones. Yeah. Uh, take as many Benadryl as you can. And, yeah. uh, it, it's supposed to give you like a high and make you like hallucinate. But, um, you know, there's people dying from that. You know, when we, we talk about, uh, just because somebody does it on social media doesn't mean that it's safe. Okay. Um, and then I show them, like, I bring up stats because of this Tide Pod challenge, X amount of kids or people actually died. Like the uh, cover yourself in uh, liquid, you know, flammable liquid, and light yourself on fire. Yeah, that's not smart. Like that's not smart. Um, so it, they they do know that there's a risk. They do know that there's a risk when we do talk to them because a lot of them will be like, "Yeah, that's so dumb," but I really like watching the video, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, but still, I feel like there is like, <laughs> yeah, there's like that disconnect because like they know that it's they know that it was harmful and bad, but like they didn't, it didn't register. And they still Um, watch it. Right. And they still watch it. Yeah. And that's what's the scary thing. I feel like the, like we had jackass. Yeah. Like I I feel like that has evolved. I thought thought of the same thing when, 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 when you were saying that. But they also had like all those warning labels all over the place. It's like, how do we make sure that there's like a, uh, established warming because I you know what I'm what I'm hearing is that you know and maybe maybe this speaks to your comment about the frontal lobe and the decision making piece right like it's not fully formed for the youth right so even though they know this is wrong or they know that this is you know that can, that there's danger there they still engage with the content they still mm-hmm. enjoy the content they still get that um that satisfaction of the likes and all that stuff, which then um, influences their behavior, right? So because I'm seeking the reward on the other side of it, even though I know that this, you know, particularly when we talk about image and stuff like that, um, you know, even though I know that it's wrong, air quotes on some level to like, you know, doctor up this photo or, or look a certain way, you know, trying to emulate Kim Kardashian, you know, as a, as a teen or whatever, I'm seeking that reward on the other side. So I'm still going to behave in this way, which is, you know, I think it works very much like addiction. Yes. Like you're, you're kind of chasing, you're chasing this high every time and you have to, you you start getting tolerance and then you have to kind of up it and you have Mm -hmm. to start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I think why your role in this, like, you know, I'm glad that your district has this for the students and, and hopefully they have something similar here and I definitely will follow up with the, uh, yeah. Can you send those uh, job descriptions? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, but I do, because I think, I think the only way to combat that, right. Is to make sure you're having the dialogue at whatever level, Mm -hmm. right. For me personally, this is me taking this dialogue to, you know, the youth that are in my lives, my nieces, my nephew, my, my daughter, and, and making, 
making sure that they're just aware and like, so it's a drum beat, right? So it's not just this one point in time. Like we can't, as much as we, we, we love, you know, the idea that they're getting the information from school. I think it takes all of us to be a part of it, to make sure that we're continuing to keep that front and center for them to hold them accountable to it, right? Like remember what this, you know, tool technology is used for. It is a privilege and here's how I expect you to, to leverage it, right? And, and having the dialogue so that you're not having to be the police on the back end and, you know, stop them from doing this or watching them or, you know, that kind of, because I don't think that's the answer either because we know that just in general, you're not going to be able to see everything that they're doing, but you can influence their thinking in terms of how they're using these tools. Yeah, exactly. How long have yep. you been doing this workshop? Um, I started doing the social media stuff, not as in-depth as I do now, but um, I started doing it uh, four years ago, um, but it's evolved. Like, it went from, like, a like a 30-minute lesson to now it's a four-day lesson where we go we go all in. Um, we I even showed them the trailer for the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, and I encourage them to please watch this and watch it with your parents, you know, um, because these tools, although they were created for good, um, it's kind of backfired, you know, it's kind of backfired in a way that uh, parents might not even be aware of. Um, we, like we, like Brandon said, um, it's an addiction. You know, I asked the kids, what's the first thing you do when your phone lights up or vibrates? They said, well, I can grab it. Exactly. That's what it's designed <laughs> yeah, to do. Yeah. It's to keep you on there all the time. That's what they want. The more that you on, you're on there and they're, they're using you. You're a guinea pig for these companies and they're becoming billionaires because of it, because you're allowing wow. them to use, to use your data, to use your information, your likes and your dislikes. And, um, and that's the thing is like, I don't think a lot of people comprehend that. So like that, that documentary like blew my mind. I mean, I knew like a lot of the little things, in there but then when they put it all together I was like my jaw dropped to the ground and as soon as it was over I went in and I turned off all my notifications turned off the microphone turned off all that stuff because I'm like wow like I I am spending way too much time on my device like and I didn't even realize it and I didn't even realize that it was designed to do that so with me as an adult um I'm not recognizing that the kids definitely aren't recognizing that so um that's a really big piece of it. Uh, and then we talk about the career part, how uh, employers will check your social media. Like they're going to, they have software that can go back to when you first got it and they can pull posts. And um, I use an example, like I use Kevin Hart as an example. I'm like, this isn't just for anybody guys. It's for celebrities too. You know, he was asked to host the Oscars and then it came out that he had some not so good stuff that he had posted on his social media and he wound up losing that, uh, that big gig, you know, because of it. Um, so if that could happen to Kevin Hart, it, it could happen to yeah, you, you yeah, know, you're not going to yeah. get that job. You're not going to get that scholarship. And, um, I show them, uh, it's a really good YouTube series. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but there, I show them two scenarios where one is a girl, she's playing online and she's playing a game and somebody sends her a message and they say, uh, hey, what's up? And she goes, who is this? And they don't respond. So she just accepts it anyway. And then it's like fast forward 10 years later and she's in this job interview and they're like, oh, Molly, you know, you have great qualifications, but um, we did your background check and you have an association with known criminals. And she's like, I do. 
and she's like, well, I just, I'm friends with anybody online. And they're like, oh, well, be that as it may, you know, we can't hire you. And then the other one is a boy. He's in a chat room. Um, it's like called Teacher Slam. And he's like talking all this, you know, bad stuff about his teachers. And then two months later, uh, he's up for a scholarship. And the two teachers that he was bashing were the ones who were deciding who gets the scholarship. <laughs> and oh, so there's real life even consequences. Yeah. And I tell him, I'm like, guys, like these are real life scenarios. Like, you know, those teachers said, even though this kid had straight A's, you know, not once, but twice more than that, they even had to bring the parents in and he still kept saying bad stuff about teachers and kids online. You know, he could have good grades, but character and the way that you treat people means more than uh, your grades. So uh, we share those scenarios um, as well and just kind of talk about just so in depth. And on the last day we do a Jubilee, which is my favorite part. Um, I kind of stole this from YouTube, but there is a a YouTube channel called Jubilee and they discuss different topics and they have people. um, So for example, anti-social media, pro social media, and they bring these people in and they pose a question. And uh, based off of the question, you either agree or disagree. And it's really interesting because from both sides, pro or, pro or or anti a lot of them came together on some of the topics um so you could be pro or anti this but you could still come to an agreement so we do that with the kids and they get a green card and a red card and i say okay i'm gonna ask a question and if you or i'm gonna give you a statement if you agree with that hold up that green card if you disagree hold up the red card so for example i said if social media were to go away tomorrow, do you think the world would be a more positive place? And they all hold up the green card. Wow. And that blew my mind because they know that it's bad and that it's got negative ramifications, but they still are on it all the time. So like it's, and it opens up that dialogue and the kids start talking and, and sharing, um, you know, cause I'm like, why, why, why do you think that is? And they start sharing. And to me, that's the most important part of the lesson because we, we took everything that they learned over the course of the three days prior uh, and we put it together and like, I'm seeing for face value, I'm seeing exactly what my lesson did and what it taught them and like what they learned from it, you know, especially with the screen time. I'm like uh, one of the statements I spend too much time you know, on my phone and majority of them put that green card up. You'll have one or two who won't, you know, they, they say that they know how to use their time wisely, but um, it's just, you know, making them aware and, and just opening their mind to everything that is social media. So it's an awesome lesson. I'm actually getting ready to do it in two more weeks with my last group for the school year. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that. (laughs) Yeah, no, just amazing to see, you know, them answering that if it went away tomorrow, would the world be a better place? And they agree to it. That to me mm-hmm. is like palpable, right? Yeah. Like, cause it's like, they're absolutely understanding the impact of it. Right. And it, and it goes to show that they're, they're picking up, right? Like what you're bringing to the table is not necessarily, um, you know, it's new information, but it's matching how they're feeling about this thing. Um, but again, I think, you know, as with everything, it's a tool, right? So like, to your point, like making them aware, like that's the goal. The goal is to make sure that they're, you know, aware of what this is and what it does. Um, and then also too, in that, 
in that discussion with them, you're giving them the tools to take action, right? So let's make sure we like, you know, I'm just thinking if there's someone that's listening to this and they're like, wow, you just like unpacked a whole bunch of stuff. Um, what would you say are some of the things that you would, you know, call to action if you're listening to this and this resonated with you and you want to take action? Like what are, you know, a couple things, the two things that you would, you know, um, suggest that they take um, leaving this, this discussion with us today? Well, um, number, number one is just be observant. Okay. Like just pay attention, uh, to not only your own kids, but just kids in general, you know, pay attention, kind of find those, uh, those signals that kind of go, I I don't know. It's kind of like, I always get like that gut feeling when I can tell something's like not going right with one of the kids at school, but, but it's because I'm always like watching them. I'm always observing, not in a creepy way, but I'm always like watching them. Like I want to make sure that they're okay, you know? Um, because they do live in some like really tough times, especially now with COVID, but being observant, um, the other thing is like get to their level, talk to them as a person, don't talk to them or at them, you know, strike up that conversation, make it, make it fun in a way that they can relate, but also to where they'll open up, um, for parents when it comes to anything involving social media, do your research, like get online and look up what are the the most dangerous apps and what are, you know, what are some signs to look out for? Uh, Even talk to like, I don't know how it it is in Beacon, but like our local police departments here, like they have all kinds of information um, and they do different sessions and stuff with people in the community to talk to them about social media and the dangers and what apps to look out for. So that's another thing. Um, maybe reaching out to the local police department. And if they don't have something in place, maybe, maybe they should. Um, And then just, you know, having, putting the phone down, telling, like having that family time, putting those restrictions on the phone, the time limit, um, same thing, not even just the phone, but like the tablet, the, the video games, like my kid is the worst with the Xbox, but like he doesn't get it all throughout the week. And then he gets it on like Friday and Saturday night for a few hours. Right. Um, to, to play. So it's just, you know, disconnecting from those electronic devices and just making them aware that everything that you do online, it, it doesn't go away. It's there forever, like forever, mm-hmm. forever. It goes in the cloud, right? It stays in the cloud forever. Um, Air quotes yes. cloud. That's what I would say. <laughs> However that yeah. works. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. none so of us know. Parents, to, parents just have to take that extra, um, like, step or the extra effort like you know don't be afraid that like your kid might get upset with you because would you rather your kid get upset and you actually talk about it than god forbid something more to like happen to them because of social media like that could ruin their life or or worse you know right so i, I think having those conversations are the most important don't just like you know, say, Oh, they're on a device and like, that's fine because they're distracted. And like, now I can have my me time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, which we all need that, but there's better ways to go about doing that. Mm-hmm. No, I think those are great. Those are great next steps. I think the only one that, um, I heard you, um, shout out and I would definitely recommend anybody who has not seen this yet and you have Netflix, yes. the social dilemma, definitely watch it because what I love about it is, they put it in such a way that I believe, you know, um, you know, a youth 
a teen, they can follow it in a way that's like, it brings it to reality. It doesn't just like throw information at you. It kind of walks you through how that shows up. So I think it kind of blends, you know, to your point, Brandon, earlier, right? It blends to say, how does this impact reality? This thing, this screen, how does it show up in my life? So I think that's a, a really good start if this conversation sounded overwhelming to you right like Jessica clearly you're an expert <laughs> you have all <laughs> you have all you have all the knowledge there but you know for for somebody who's like whoa that was a lot how do I unpack it you know step one you know take take a, a cup you know I think it's like an hour and a half the, yeah. the documentary take the time to just kind of watch it and absorb it right and just let it sit with you and then you know to your point too like be present, right? Like it, this isn't a difficult, you know, it's, it's, you know, everybody doesn't need to be an expert to start the dialogue. Um, it's just really about, you know, getting started and being there and being present. The other thing you said, um, and I do think that, that it comes to reality, right? Sometimes like your kid is like engaged in a game or something like that. And you're like, whew, okay, they're, they're focused. I can have my moment, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, just, just challenging ourselves as adults in that moment to say like, what is the best use of not only my time, but their time as well? Because there's other ways that you can, you know, um, entertain them. Right. Um, there are other things that maybe it's not always the technology. It could be something else. So so let's let's challenge ourselves there, because um, I think we all have been in that moment, <laughs> even mm-hmm. with even Absolutely. with the smallest of kids. Right. Because sometimes it's like the two year old that you see with the with the iPad and it's like, oh, well, I don't care if it's Jake and the Neverman Pirates. He's quiet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so like we kind of like, you know, as adults, as parents, like we've all been in that place where you just you just need a me moment. Um, so think about what that alternative is outside of the moment showing up so that, you know, to utilize it in that moment. Um, so, Jessica, I just want to say thank you. Thank you thank you for spending time with us. This was like super awesome. Um, and I, I love the more and more you talk is the more and more I keep hearing your, your accent there. So (laughs) even though you're a beaconite, right. Born and bred here. Um, I hate to tell you, but 13 years in South Carolina, it's definitely, um, it's starting to show, show. (laughs) but we will always, we will always welcome you with open arms. We can't wait to get to the other side of this pandemic so we can see you in person. Um, but thank you. Thank you. Yeah. and definitely hopefully talk to you again you, you you even touched on other topics that i'm like yeah we could definitely dive deeper on that. yeah oh yeah but uh so oh, so, so, so i look forward I love to, ha- to be on as much as you want to have me i, I you know <laughs> I, i'm a wealth of knowledge and i i can talk for days so <laughs> yeah well, well I'm, I'm looking forward to that and um with the benefits of technology uh with you being on the zoom i think this is the first time i saw you since you left for the navy so kind of see you again and uh and once again thank you for the service that you did yeah yeah absolutely all right guys so i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of this is beacon as we kick off all things mental health awareness month here um i hope this helps you all start that dialogue at home with your kids and i think you know this conversation jessica i think you know even as an adult to an adult we can take out a lot of lessons that you brought here today and some of the things that you brought up for us so that we all can be better not only for ourselves but each other so thanks again and we will definitely be talking to jessica soon (laughs) (laughs) all right see ya all right you have a good one you but hey before you go brandon and i have a quick ask of you our audience yes you so brandon 
if folks have been enjoying this podcast and all the things that we're doing here, what are some things that we want to let them know that they can do to help us share this with more folks? Well, I think the best thing you can do is share the word. Let people know how you can find us. If you're not sure, which you should because you're listening to us right now, just in case, you can always find us on Anchor. You can also find us on Spotify. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. And all you have to do is type in, this is Beacon. Awesome. So, you know, really quick, guys, really the thing that we're asking you to do is if you enjoyed this podcast or any of them, one, if you haven't listened to others, definitely go check them out. Two, pick up the phone, let somebody know, text, call, etc. You can also follow us on Facebook. That is super helpful for us because we really like to, you know, continue the conversation there. You know, let us know because we do get a lot of personal messages sent to us, but feel free to go ahead and post that right there on Facebook, what your thoughts, feelings, et cetera, are. The other thing that we'd love to hear more from you is if you have a story or a business owner that you'd like to hear from, um, let us know. If there's a business owner, if there's a local legend, local hero, a story you want to share with the audience, uh, you know, just DM us or write to us on Facebook, and we'll be sure to contact you to have you on the podcast. And one little last piece. Just a little. Just a little bit. If you can, no obligations need it, but just give us a like. Or if you don't like, Give us some sort of review. Let us know what you'd like to hear, what you maybe don't like to hear, and we'll see if we can make that happen. Yes, we aim to please. So for that, thank you for listening. You have been listening to This is Beacon, a dynamic duo high five production in association with I Am Beacon, a nonprofit organization.